So I want to talk to you about this message that the angel brings, and I want to talk to you about this good news that the angel talks about with three different things I want to emphasize. First, the good news is present. No, not presence like the kind we give another, but present. The name of our Christmas play that we just saw was God with us. Emmanuel. And that's what it says in Matthew chapter 1. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God himself, part of the good news is that God himself is present with us. That God himself would come and live with us. And the book of John echoes that same idea. It says, The word became flesh, and dwelt among us. But here's the thing. This good news that Jesus sent his son to live and to die for us, um, it's not something you just simply study. Um, I went to school for a long time, and I did study it. But it's not something you simply study. You don't observe the good news from a distance uh, like you would maybe a planet through a telescope. Um, The good news is something you apply to yourself. Um, I've been sick this past week, if you can't tell. Um, And if you're sick, you need medicine. And you don't just sit there and look at the bottle and examine the bottle. No, what do you do, right? Because I've been been sucking on a lot of these things this week, all right? Cough drops. Um, I I don't just look at the cough drop, right? I got to take it out. I got to apply it to myself, So like a much-needed balm or an ointment for a sickness, you have to apply the gospel to yourself. It's something that you experience. Reading or seeing others experience it isn't enough. You need to experience it yourself. And it's something that you know just not in your head, but also in your heart. Uh, Knowing God exists is good. Knowing he, he has the son Jesus, who died for your sins, is good. But you need to encounter the good news. So it's not just like a fact out there, but it is a reality in here. Um, This means the good news has an existential aspect to it. What do I mean by that? That it doesn't just like occur in your mind, but it actually occurs in real time. It impacts our existence. So the truth is present right here. It's not out there in some abstract concept, but here in concrete form. This means that the story of Christmas is not once upon a time. But as Luke tells us a couple of verses earlier in Luke 2, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So it's grounded in fact. I mean, we can look this up. We can fact check it and see if it's accurate. And the good news has a historical setting because it's historical. And guess what we find when we look into it? There's no fake news here, all right? No fake news. So that's first. Second, the good news is personal. Think of what the angel said. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It was a personal message that was brought to them, and this message impacted them personally. 
The message that God brings is also a personal message for each of us. Why? Because he's a personal God. He's not some abstract deity. He's not some golden statue that can't speak. He is a God that relates to us on a personal level, on a one-to-one level. This means he's relational, and he wants fellowship with his creation. So the message starts out, I bring you good news of great joy. But then it goes on, and I think people can miss this point, so stick with me here. Because then in verse 11 it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Unto you. The angel didn't need to add that part. He could have just said, Today in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. Now he said, Unto you. Unto you. Why did he add that? Because he was born for them. He was born for us. That truth hasn't changed. Because here's the truth. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said in Luke 5, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And here's the truth. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's what Romans 3 says. So we all need Jesus. And no one is good enough. We all need him to save us from our sins. Imagine you've fallen out of a boat and you're out in the water and the waves are really rough. You can't get back to the boat. You start to drown. And there's someone in the boat seeing you drown. What is going through your mind at that moment? I'm drowning, right? I'm about to die. Help me. What do you want that person to do? You want that person to save you, right? Um, Are you going to put conditions on them saving you? No, right? Um, Are you going to argue with that person about how he jumps in the water or what angle he jumps in or how big a splash he makes? No. You want him to save you, period. And you don't care how he does it. And at that moment, while you're drowning, uh, does it matter if you've been a good person? No, it doesn't matter. Will that keep you from drowning? No. At that moment, does it matter about all the good things you have done? Will that keep you from drowning? It won't. What about going to church every week? Will that keep you from drowning? No. What about being baptized? Will that keep you from drowning? No. None of those things matter because none of those things can save you. You're going to drown unless, unless someone intercedes and saves you. Notice I said someone and not something. Because those things I just mentioned, those don't save us. A person saves us. And that person is Jesus. And here's the thing. Here we are in real life and we're submerged in an ocean of sin, and we're drowning, and there's nothing we can cling on to, and there's no lifeboat coming, there's no life ring that's going to be tossed to us, we're going to drown. And when we're drowning, being a good person is not going to help us not drown. And being a good person, as much as we try, that's not going to help us. All the good things we've done won't matter when we're drowning, because in the end, we still drown. 
You see, you need someone to save you from the drowning. And all the world religions have their own answer about you drowning and what to do. And Buddha will tell you to become enlightened about your drowning. It's true. Confucius will give you some wise saying about your drowning. And Muhammad will tell you to swim harder and try not to drown. But friends, Jesus, Jesus saves you from drowning. He rescues you. And each one of us is drowning and needs to be rescued. And only Jesus, God with us, the Emmanuel, can rescue us. Think about the Apostle Peter. Remember when they're in the boat and they see Jesus walking on the water? And he's like, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. But what happens? He gets out of the boat, he starts walking on the water, going towards Jesus, but he becomes afraid, and he starts to sink. And what does he do? He cries out, Jesus, save me. That's what he cries out, and that's what we need to do. Jesus, save me. We call on a person to save us, because he is the one that does that. So we see the good news is present with us. It is a personal news applied to us. <clears throat> and also the good news is pervasive. What do I mean by that? It's a message that goes everywhere and is for everyone. This means each person here. The message is for you. The angel said, I bring you good news for all the people. Now, he could have said all the Jews, but he didn't. All the people. There's a Greek word for Jews, but he didn't use that. Why? Because it wasn't just for them. The good news was for all the people. Not just the shepherds, not just the townsfolk in Bethlehem. This was not just for the Jews. It's a message for all people everywhere. Why is it for all people? Because, because God saw that all people are drowning. And all people need to be saved. And there's only one person who can save you, and that's Jesus. And God, in his infinite love <clears throat> and mercy, made the message apply to everyone. The good news of Jesus is for each person here. That angel brought the good news. And he was the messenger bringing the truth. And here I'm standing before you today, 2,000 years later, roughly, as a messenger, bringing you that same truth. Listen, there's a reason it's called good news. Not just a good idea or a good thought, but good news. Why? Because it's historical. Events happened. But when you think about the history of what God has done since he created the world, all the way back to the garden... Christianity begins with a broken heart. There was sin in the garden all the way back then. But here's the thing about Christianity. It doesn't end with a broken heart. And anyone who is honest with themselves realizes that something is not right with the world. It's broken. And anyone who's honest with themselves will realize that they too are broken. 
And God, that's not how he originally created it. He set up a perfect world that got broken. But he came to fix the brokenness. And he wants to fix it in each one of us. Because each one of us has a brokenness in us. And God wants to redeem you. He wants to save you. That comes through realizing that the Emmanuel, the God with us, Jesus, came for you and wants to do a work in your life. If you trust him, if you trust him, not in your works, not in anything you've done, not in anything you're doing, not in who you are, but you trust him, then you get the gift of salvation. You do get a present. You get the best present. The gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, I implore you to put your trust, not in anything that you've done or are doing or might do or will do, but to trust Jesus. That's where salvation alone lies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we got to see through the kids' play the beginning of the gospel, you sending your son as an infant and how you brought that good news back then to so many people. And now, Father, you're still bringing that good news to people. We thank you, Lord, that you are mighty to save. We thank you, Lord, that you are good And we thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our drowning, you saved us, Lord. You reached out. You saw us. And you did something about it. And I pray for each person here, Father, that they might trust you for that salvation. Your word says there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but at the name of Jesus Christ. So may people today, Lord, trust you and the work of your Son to save them for your glory. We pray this with the authority you give us in your Son, Jesus. Amen.